Welcome to the Tom the Trainer Fitness Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Wooland. This podcast is for frustrated men and women who think they've tried everything to lose body fat and aren't willing to give up on their fitness goals. I'm going to give you clear, actionable steps to cut through all the bullshit in the industry, focus on what actually works, and dominate every aspect of your life. Now let's get into today's episode. Today's episode is a live replay of a Q&A that was held in my free Facebook group, Tom the Trainer's Tribe, on October 18th, 2023. So if you want questions answered, go ahead and join the tribe. The link is in the description. We do live Q&As every single Wednesday, and during the live Q&A, I answer all the questions for the members within the tribe. In this particular live training, we covered topics including supplements, how to avoid late night snacking, breaking through plateaus, diet pop versus regular pop, how to avoid a midday crash, when to stop cutting and start bulking, calisthenics versus weights, how often to eat and consume cheat foods, best workouts after a long layoff, cardio for losing a lot of body fat, really cheap meal prep ideas, and then what to do when running short on time in your workouts, as well as when to use mobility training. I'm telling you, there's tons of value in this episode. Make sure that you go and join the tribe so that you can ask your own questions and enjoy the show. First question that I'm going to answer is for Paul. And Paul's question is, is it okay to cut a workout in half when time is an issue so that you can perform harder on both parts of the workout? So I'm going to assume that what Paul means by this is um, when he says both parts of the workout, I'm assuming maybe he means training and cardio. Um, so first I'll address it, assuming that's the question, uh, when it comes to training and cardio, I'd say it's absolutely okay to separate the two. In fact, I believe that the best time to do cardio would be first thing in the morning fasted personally. I think it's a really great way to start your day. Um, and it gets you moving and it sparks your energy. And there are, you know, there's, There's some people who believe that you burn more calories if you do it that way. But then there's also contrary beliefs that your caloric expenditure slows, like you, you wind up cheating for the rest of the day. So you don't actually burn more calories. Uh, But I personally believe it's a really great way to start your day because you get up and you're moving um, and you drink some water and you do it fasted. So absolutely. You can separate your training and your cardio from each other. The next best time to do cardio, in my opinion, is post workout personally. And the reason why is, is I believe when you're working out and you're training and you're lifting weights, you deplete the glycogen levels within your muscles, which is your muscles energy source for lifting. And as that energy source gets depleted, and then you do cardio afterwards, I believe there's a higher likelihood that you're going to burn more body fat because your body has two energy sources, glycogen and body fat. So if your glycogen levels get depleted, it's more likely that your body's going to get into those fat reserves, right? Now, another way that I can interpret this is just like if you've got a workout planned and you're running short on time, and is it okay to split that workout in half, like the actual training of the workout? Um, me personally, let's put it this way. Obviously, like there's no such thing as a bad workout, right? 
me personally, I believe unless you're really strategic about it and you try to prioritize big compound movements in your first workout and then more like isolation movements in your second workout, I probably wouldn't ever split up my training per se, unless I were to do it that way. So say, for example, if you have a pull training day, then maybe you would work like, you know, your big back muscles and prioritize those and then come back to finish the workout to do like some biceps later in the day. Um, but I would say if time is a factor and you're like, I only have 30 minutes to do a workout, I would 100% say go to the gym, do what you can do in that 30 minutes, work as hard as you can in that 30 minutes and then get out. Right. And then work on managing your time a little bit better so that you can allocate as much time as you need to do your entire workout moving forward and just take that as a learning experience. That's the best way I would approach it. Now, I will say that I've been in this situation in the past and there was a time where I only had 30 minutes to work out and I went into the gym and I did a conventional deadlift with a plank variation and then I did a sumo deadlift with a plank variation and I rotated those for 30 minutes and I'm telling you, every single muscle in my body was sore the next day. My chest, my triceps, my shoulders, like my biceps, like everything. So that's another thing to consider if you're running short on time, prioritize compound movements, squats, bench, deadlift, those big movements that activate the most amount of muscle in that one movement and deprioritize accessory movements or um, like isolation movements. Does that make sense? Just uh, send a thumbs up, say makes sense in the chat for me, and I'm going to move on to my next question. Okay, so Alina asks, hang on a second here. I'm going to go down to the bottom, down to the bottom. All right. Robert asks, um, what types of supplements do you recommend or not recommend? For example, protein powder, amino acids, pre-workout, creatine, et cetera. Uh, this is a great question. Um, I would personally say that supplements should be the top of your pyramid of priorities if that makes sense, right? So if we're looking at our priorities of what is going to have the most effect on the outcome of our goals, your training, your nutrition, your whole food nutrition, your sleep, your recovery, managing your stress levels, drinking your water, those should be the bulk of your focus. And supplements should be the top of the pyramid that you focus on when you pardon my French, got your shit together in all those other areas. And then you want to implement supplements that might add this like very minor percentage of improvement towards your goals. Focus on what I call the big rocks. I would say if you're training inconsistently and you're not eating whole nutritious foods and you're um, taking creatine and, um, chugging three, um, protein shakes 
per day, you are stepping over $5 bills to pick up nickels. Okay. So always look at it that way. Supplements are the top of the, the pyramid and they are of the least priority in the grand picture of things. <clears throat> now, having said that, um, certain supplements, everything has a time and place. Creatine is a good supplement, in my opinion. Um, creatine is a good supplement. As long as you have the other things in check and you focused on those priorities first, then you can add creatine. It's, it's well-researched. Um, it will increase water retention in the muscle. It will increase strength and those kinds of things. Um, so it's a good, it's a good supplement to use. <clears throat> you don't have to load it. You don't have to, you know, you don't, you just take five grams a day and you're good. Right. Um, you should also get a lot of creatine from your food. If you're eating great food choices. Um, when it comes to like protein powders, um, Protein powders, I would say, like, are fine. However, I rarely try to use them with clients. Um, personally, I would try to prioritize whole foods. Everything has a time and a place. Don't look at your protein powder as a priority in your diet, but look at it as something that you may use from time to time to get your protein intake. The other thing that I'll say with protein powders is like, I don't really, I never recommend somebody drinking a protein shake. I personally do use protein powders for convenience. I'm also at a stage in my lifting and my goal career where I'm really just focusing on maintenance and making very slow gains right now. And I'm a busy individual. So I do use protein powder for convenience. However, I put it in cereal post-workout and I put it in um, oatmeal pre-workout. So I prefer protein powders to be with food, not as like empty calories in a drink. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I like gold standard way. That's what I use. It tastes delicious. They're all kind of the same. Just stay away from like vegan protein powders and stuff. And if you are using vegan protein powders, because maybe you choose to be vegan, just make sure that they create a complete protein source because not all proteins combined create a complete protein source. So for example, like there is um, some protein in rice and there's some protein in beans and the two of them combined make a complete protein source right? Obviously like, um, just, just make sure that you've got a complete protein source. And if you're not vegan or, you know, vegetarian, then like just stick with like whey proteins and, and things like that. Personally, like there's a lot of options out there. They're all kind of the same, right? In my opinion, I just do whey protein and seems to work fine for me. So, um, the other, um, the other supplements that I do personally lean into is I will use a carbohydrate powder when I'm trying to bulk um, or if I'm trying to reduce muscle soreness from training. So um, a high branch chain cyclic dextrin is great intra-workout to reduce soreness. You have to consider the fact that these things have calories 
and they will affect the calorie equation if you use them though, right? Um, so when I'm bulking or with clients who have like a ton of muscle soreness, I might introduce that for a short period of time. However, before I introduce that with them, I will probably ask them to send me pictures of their food because if they are extremely sore from their workouts, they're probably not eating enough carbohydrates as it is. And they're probably hiding that from me. So um, high branch chain cyclic dextrin, things like carbolin, cluster bomb, those are good. They digest very, very quickly. It's a carbohydrate source that digests very, very quickly. Um, essential amino acids are also something that I will use at times intra-workout with my carbohydrate drink um, when I'm in a calorie surplus for bulking or looking to reduce muscle soreness from training. Okay. Um, Pre-workout I use as well. I would say like, sometimes maybe I wish like I didn't, uh, but it can give you a little extra drive. I started drinking it when I was building my career as a personal trainer and I was extremely, extremely busy um, and I didn't have a ton of energy and I was relying on it. And now like mentally, it's like a mental stimulant for me that tells me that I'm getting ready for my workout. So even if I don't have a pre-workout, sometimes I'll take like, I'll drink like a flavored drink or if I'm doing a, a later day workout, I will drink like a flavored drink as I'm warming up to signal that like neural pathway of like, Hey man, you're getting ready to pardon my friends. You're getting ready to fuck some shit up. You're getting ready to go hard here. Um, so I'd say stay away from them if you can. However, I use them. So like not to be a hypocrite or anything, but um, pre-workouts are, are fine too. I would just say like, don't become reliant on them like I am. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, as far as like branch chain amino acids, you might as well throw them in the garbage unless you're using them to, unless you're using them to flavor your water, like bulking, bulking shakes and stuff. Pardon my French GTFO. Get the fuck out of here with that. Like eat food right? There's lots of high quality food sources that you can use instead of, um, instead of bulking shakes, like it's just ridiculous, like eggs and beef and salmon and, you know, cheese. And like, there's good food sources out there. Like you, you shouldn't really need those things. And if you are using a bulking agent, like a bulking powder to increase weight, then that would tell me that pardon my French, you don't have your shit together with your nutrition and you're trying to cheat your way to your goals, right? When it comes to that stuff, that's my opinion on them. I've never used bulking stuff like bulking powders. Um, those are my go-to supplements that I would say I would lean in on. And other than that, that's it. Um, and also like vitamins and minerals and stuff. But I will also say that if you have your nutrition built out properly and you've got great food sources in your nutrition, you probably don't need a lot of extra like multivitamins or things like that. And you'll feel great if you have good food sources in your diet so that you have all your vitamins and your minerals present. Okay. Maybe really deep into a cut might be a good idea. If you're really, really lean and we're talking like bodybuilder photo shoot lean, maybe, but that stuff should really all come from your nutrition. Is that helpful so far, everybody? If you are uh, watching this on my personal Facebook page, please hop in and join Tom the Trainer's Tribe and catch the rest there because I am disconnecting from that now.
Okay. Alina asks how to stop snacking at night for people who wake up through the night and want to snack as well as the difference between regular and diet pop for pop drinkers. How to stop snacking at night. Um, Alina, what I would say with this is like, make decisions that are going to have a downward effect on your snacking. Okay. <clears throat> so say for example, I'm a nighttime snacker. I, I always have been as my whole entire life. I'm a nighttime snacker. So what I personally do is I eat my last meal later at night, closer to bed. You know, some people say like, Oh, don't eat after six or 7 PM or whatever. That's just BS, right? Your overall calories throughout the course of your day is what matters most. So if you have a tendency of slack of snacking, pardon me, late at night, then move your last meal of the day closer to bedtime. Now, something that I do as well is I have a delicious um, snack that I eat every single night. I eat like 350 grams of Greek, plain Greek yogurt, pineapples and berries. And I put a calorie free chocolate syrup on it. It's delicious. And it's like four cups of food and it's like 200 ish calories, 250 maybe. And honestly, if I need to eat more than that, then like I'm just being a pig, right? So that's how I manage my late night snacking. Um, and if you're waking up throughout the night and want to snack, then that's probably a good indication that you're probably hungry. And like, there's nothing wrong with moving your meal closer to bedtime or moving a snack. That's a healthy snack. And when I say healthy, I mean, lower in calories than the garbage that you would reach to out of convenience when you wake up in the middle of the night. Another thing with that as well, people who wake up often in the middle of the night and want to grab a snack, there's a high likelihood that that's your, that your body is seeking fructose, uh, which is a glycogen carbohydrate source for brain function. So have a piece of fruit maybe before you go to bed. Um, oranges are very satiating extremely satiating like they keep you full for the number of calories and there's a lot of fiber in them so personally i see nothing wrong with eating an orange before you go to bed because it might be 100 calories but then there's an expenditure um thermogenically there's a cost calorie wise to break down your food all food and there's a high cost to breaking down fiber um and it's extremely satiating so personally Oranges are a great thing to go to as well. Um, is that helpful so far, everybody? Everybody help, just comment helpful in the chat. I want to make sure everybody's digging this. Uh, the difference between regular pop and diet pop for pop drinkers. Um, the number one way that you can sabotage your diet is by drinking empty calories uh and pop that's full of sugar is probably like one of the worst ways the worst like liquid calorie source that you can have um when it comes to diet pops i personally i lean into them very hard at times especially like deep into a photo shoot prep um diet pop is carbonated so it's filling because of the gas it creates in your stomach and it's calorie free 
there's research out there and then like there's all this like garbage about like oh it's gonna kill you and it's gonna cause cancer and it's like everything in moderation in life right if you go out in the sun too much you're gonna get skin cancer right does that mean the sun's gonna kill you if you go outside no it means like don't go to like Mexico and don't and and not put on sunscreen or just stand in the sun the whole time. And you know what I mean? Like, don't go, don't create risk. A lot of the scare tactics around diet sodas um, come from research with rodents where like you couldn't physically consume the amount of artificial sweet artificial sweeteners that they gave to those rodents that had a negative effect on the rodent's health, right? So calories are king, right? And being overweight is definitely not healthy. And if there's calories in your regular pop and it causes you to be overweight, then I would say, in my opinion, personally, I'm going to lean into diet sodas more than regular sodas. So next question is Jay's asking... How do you break through a plateau? So Jay, this is um this is a pretty like calm, like complex um question, I would say, because like it would really need a lot of context to, to answer it correctly. I will say, and it depends on like what's your plateau. Is it muscle growth? Is it fat loss? Is it like what is the plateau, right? Like but the simplest way to put this is when you're setting your lifestyle behaviors in place to accomplish a goal, you want to do the least amount of change possible to elicit the most amount of change possible. Okay. So that when you hit a plateau, you have cards to play to elicit more change right? So if you want to lose 50 pounds of body fat, as an example, and you start out by training six days per week and doing 45 minutes of cardio and eating 1100 calories, like you hit a plateau when that happens, like good luck breaking through that plateau because you don't have anywhere to go. You don't have any room. You don't have any cards to play because you threw too much at your body at the start, right? But if you started out by eating, let's say, 2,000 calories and walking 10,000 steps and training four days per week and you hit a plateau, well, now maybe you can elicit change by going to 12,000 steps. Or maybe you can elicit change by eating 1,800 calories or 1,900 calories and adding 10 minutes of cardio four days per week. You can elicit change by adding an extra training day, perhaps, right? So the simplest way to avoid a plateau or overcome a plateau starts in the beginning of the process of how you set things up. I like to look at this like a game of euchre, I would call it. And if, you know, those of us who are in Ontario, we all love euchre, right? There are cards in euchre, euchre that are the most powerful cards, but if you come out of the gate hot and you play the most powerful card, you might win that first hand. But then you are going to get absolutely devoured by the other players 
because you played the card that was too powerful to win one hand as opposed to being strategic and playing the right card to win the hand and saving the more powerful cards to clean up later. <clears throat> Does that make sense? Just comment makes sense in the chat in the chat if everybody understands that. Okay. Um, Sean is asking about um, Pepsi Zero, you know, regular pops versus um, regular pops versus like diet and and pops that have zero calories. And I already covered that. Mohammed's asking, do you can you do full bicep workout? Uh, I'm not quite certain what you mean by that, bro. I will say this personally, I'm not a big fan of arm days per se. Personally, I'm not. Um, I am more of a fan of like full body, upper lower splits, push pull legs and doing some bicep work and tricep work strategically in the workout in the beginning or the end or the middle, depending on what my goals are for that specific body part. Right. Um, personally, not a fan of arm days and anybody who has known me for a long time has known that I rarely, rarely, rarely um, do arm days myself, unless I'm probably overcoming an injury or maybe just like coming back from a sickness or something. And I'm just in there to move. Like the other day I did an arm day because I had a pinched nerve in my neck and my left arm shoulder was all jacked up. And so pushing exercises and pulling exercises didn't feel good. So I just did biceps and triceps. I did something, but like aside from situations like that, like you have better options for, uh, there's better ways to optimize your time in the gym than do arm days, in my opinion. <clears throat> Dave, energy boosting mid-afternoon snack is the question. So when it comes to this, Dave, um, I would personally say that if you are experiencing a mid-afternoon crash energy-wise, there probably is a high likelihood that you would maybe need to improve your food selections as a whole. Okay. Or you need to prioritize your sleep routine, right? Um, energy boosting things, drink lots of water. Everybody like, honestly, like start your day off with a big, huge glass of water, limit your caffeine intake to like one coffee per day, drink lots of water throughout the day. Um, if you are crashing midday, look for clues. Is it around food? If you're crashing midday and it's around food, what was in that food? Try to avoid foods that have high carbohydrates and high fats in the same food source. That'll cause you to crash big time. Right. Um, so when it comes to energy boosting snacks, like I think it's more about like the source of what's causing the crash and then looking at your nutrition as a whole, avoiding 
high carbohydrate, high fat sources of food combined together. Right. Um, and also like avoiding like sugary snacks because probably things like insulin and stuff can be causing your crash. <clears throat> prioritize your sleep, prioritize drinking water, prioritize whole nutritious foods. And you probably will feel amazing and won't feel as though you need that midday energy boost. Uh, Kevin's got a question about realistic, realistic expectations for filling loose skin with muscle. This one's a little bit out of my expertise. I think like it's something that is a slow process, depending on how much loose skin that you have. You could look at doing things like maybe like, like water intake is going to be huge. Maybe, um, like a collagen supplement or something like might help with that. But honestly, I'm just reaching when I say that. Um, it takes time. And especially if you lost a lot of weight in a, in a short amount of time, there is a higher likelihood that you will have more loose skin when that happens. <clears throat> I think to some degree, depending on how much there is, you can only do so much. And if there is a lot of it, surgery might be the only way to correct that, but it's really like individual cases, right? Okay. Jason has a question on eggs. Currently eat three whole eggs and five egg whites with my breakfast during a maintenance phase. Going into a bulk, changing up my breakfast. To have a high calorie, a higher caloric intake of 240 grams of protein, 525 grams of carbs, and 60 grams of fats, which equals 3,600 calories. So I'm adding 40 grams of oats and one and a half scoops of protein to my breakfast and thinking I might cook the three whole eggs and make a shake with the oats, protein, and egg whites. Not to mention, I'm also having 10 egg whites and super greens as my sixth meal, 30 minutes before bed. What's your take on drinking eggs rather than cooking and eating them? I use the purchase carton egg whites that make the difference. <clears throat> okay. So a few things to unpack here. I would personally say like, honestly, in a bulking phase, the only time that I'm going to use egg whites in a diet is in a cutting phase because they are high in protein and nothing else. So they're low in calories and high in protein per se. So I'll use those as a card to play to stay full. Um, I don't know how much Jason weighs, so I don't know if 240 grams of protein is too little or too much. Um, but I will say me personally, you know, I would probably have more eggs and less and no egg whites in my diet. If that were the case and I were in that situation, I wouldn't use egg whites in that situation. Personally, I would, I would use more eggs. And it's for many reasons, right? Like you don't want to feel like you're force feeding yourself to eat 3,600 calories or 3,000 calories per day, right? Um, and eggs are, they're, they're fine. So why not eat? If you're trying to bulk up, you want to use good whole nutritious foods that are caloric dense, that have a lot of calories. So you're not feeling like you're force feeding yourself because that's a struggle. 
Like you don't want to be in a situation where you literally feel like you're passing out with bowls of food on your chest because you're eating low calorie foods to get to your high calorie goal. So I would say eggs are fine. Personally, sneaky trick with eggs is you can drop an egg in just about any meal and get an extra extra 100 calories out of it and never even notice the difference in in the food volume, right? Um, Yeah. So that's what I would say about the eggs is like why so many egg whites and maybe go more eggs. And that'll give you more room to progress and add food over time. Because as I said earlier, the whole way that we play this is like you make a change, you use that change until that change stops working. And then when that change stops working, you implement a new change. So working with less egg whites and more eggs is going to give you more cards to play down the road. Uh, And the egg whites are just going to be so filling. Yeah. As far as like drinking eggs versus cooking them. I don't know. Like my thoughts on it is that like drinking eggs is gross. Um, Just, I don't know. It just kind of grosses me out. So I would cook them. I wouldn't necessarily drink them. I think they're fine as long as they're in like uh, healthy, like good temperatures. But I just, I don't know. I think it's gross. Like, sorry if this grosses people out. Like drinking an egg to me is just like, I don't know. It's like drinking like a cup of snot. Like I'd rather cook it and eat it. You know, just, I don't know. Not not my thing. Um. Is that helpful so far? Is everybody getting mad value from this? Just say value in the chat if you're getting some value from this, please. Next question from Angie is I get nauseated during lifting. I think it's because I drink too much water. On cardio days, I get excessively hungry and want to eat all day. What foods are best to stay full that won't undo your day? Tilapia and broccoli don't cut it. Yeah, I can see that. Neither does my four scrambled eggs. Thank you. So, Angie, I would probably need more information to have the best answer for this, but I do see some signs here. Tilapia and broccoli, like the egg white, the white fish and broccoli diets are not things that I'm very fond of personally. Um, I don't know how much fat you're eating in a day, but fat's an, an important macronutrient to have in your diet and if it gets too low it can definitely affect your hormones um now when it says to you know so i get nauseated during lifting there could be could be that maybe you're eating a little too soon to lifting like in proximity of your lift if that makes sense um You know, if it's from drinking too much water, hard to say. And on cardio days, I get excessively hungry and want to eat all day. Based on some of the signs of which you've told me, like when you say tilapia and broccoli, um, I, I think probably, honestly, you, you might not have enough food in your diet and you and <clears throat> you might not have enough vitamins, minerals and macro micronutrients in your diet big picture wise. And that might be why you're just not feeling well on that diet. Right. Um, 
when I set a diet up for people, I'm, I'm setting up diets for people. Like I'm generally using like, um, eggs, red meat, chicken, salmon, um, <clears throat> cheese, yogurt, like rice, potatoes, right? Like those are the kinds of foods, spinach, um, peppers, like those are the kind of foods that I think are like great foods that'll make you feel good while you're dieting. And I just see a sign. I don't have all the context that you might be following a very restrictive diet. So that might be why you're not feeling well on it. When it comes to foods that are going to help keep you full, the highest foods on this, um, like the highest foods to keep you satiated per like gram of food, like volume of food are potatoes and oranges. And then cruciferous vegetables will help keep you full as well. So you want to think about foods that are like gassy foods, foods that make you feel gassy from consuming broccoli, cauliflower, potatoes are a gassy food. Those are going to help keep you full. I, I would need more context to understand this fully. I don't know how much weight you're looking to lose or what your calories are at. But I would also consider if you're feeling nauseous, like you might need to have a deep dive and look at your diet. Like, is there enough food? What are the sources of your foods that you're using? How low are your calories? Are you starting, are you being far too restrictive and you feel poor because you don't have the right vitamins and the minerals and like literally your body's starving and like those kinds of things. I can't say for certain without knowing your whole story. Shoot me a message if you want um, a little bit more like help personally, we could maybe have like more context and see if I can help you, um, as an individual. Tracy is asking, would you recommend a female in her fifties take creatine? Tracy, I don't see any problem with that personally. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor and, and that kind of stuff, but like, I don't see a problem with that. I will say, as I said earlier in the training, Supplements are the top of the priority, meaning like supplements should be the least most important thing in your consideration of priorities overall. Creatine is not a bad thing to take, but <clears throat> look at it as I've got all the other stuff dialed in. What am I going to do for supplements? Okay. Kenny asked, how do you know, feel when it's time to stop a cut and start a bulk? Love this question. The leaner that you get in a cult and a cut, pardon me, the leaner that you get in a cut, the more aggressive you can be with your bulk. The leaner you get with your cut, the more your body is going to grow. There is something called the supercompensation cycle in your body. When you um, induce fatigue into your body and you induce stress into your body, your body will compensate to avoid that stress and that fatigue in the future. So if you get very lean and very low body fat levels, your body will supercompensate after aggressively cutting to put on as much muscle as possible, soak up the calories that you're consuming and grow. 
I believe you will grow more in six weeks following an aggressive cut than you will the entire rest of the year. The most amount of muscle I put on in roughly a one-year period in my 40s, late 30s, pardon me, I put on 11 pounds of muscle in 11 months while suffering from a neck injury that literally made my lat like disappear and muscle was atrophying, disappearing from the right side of my body from my neck nerve injury. I still put on 11 pounds in 11 months doing two photo shoots in 11 months because I dieted down and I rebounded out of my diet with an aggressive bulk and then cut back down for the second photo shoot. And then I put on a lot of muscle. So like my first photo shoot, I was in at around 165 pounds. My most recent photo shoot, I was 183 and a half pounds, 185 pounds in and around there. Very, very similar body fat levels, similar body fat levels. So the more aggressive you can be with your cut, the better when it comes to rebounding and bulking. I have put like 15 pounds on clients after an aggressive cut without losing sight of their abs in like three months or something. Uh, my client, Jeff, we cut him down from 230 to 215 and then rebounded him out of that and bought, brought him back up over 230. And it was like in and around three or four months that we put 15 pounds on him without losing sight of his abs. I did a similar thing with my client, Mike. He went from 213 down to 183 up to 215 without losing sight of his abs. So he put on like 30 some odd pounds um, and he didn't lose sight of his abs in the process. He did put on some body fat in the process, but he put on a lot of muscle I'm telling you the rebound after an aggressive cut is gold and it is so much fun. So when it's time to stop the cut and start the bulk, your body's going to tell you too. Like there's going to be, <clears throat> There's going to be times where just like, no matter what you do, you just feel like you're starving constantly. Um, and your body's just going to tell you, your body's going to give you signs. Listen to those signs. But the leaner you get, the more aggressive you can be with the rebound and the more muscle you will put on. Okay. Everybody digging this so far? Just comment digging it in the chat. Rob's question is the easy bar versus the straight bar for upright rows. Um, personally, Rob, if I were to say one or the other, I would probably prioritize the easy bar just because of the angle it'll put my wrists on. Um, it's just more, it's just like less awkward, right? Um, your body, like you're, you're going to be on that angle with an easy curl, easy bar. So more often than not, I would use one. doesn't mean you can't use a straight bar, but if I were to prioritize one over the, over the other, based upon the angles and the angles in loading uh, and joint health, I would probably say the easy curl bar. Cause I just feel it would be easier on your wrist to be honest with you. Ron's asking, what would you recommend as a workout and meal plan to burn the fat in the midsection, AKA belly and organ fat? Uh, oh, and build core strength too. Okay. 
And I, I will actually, I'm actually going to point this out because I'm going to be really honest. I wish this had been pointed out to me before. Somebody who's no longer in the group who's who, who like was fucking with the vibe of the tribe. I'm going to put it that way. He's no longer part of the tribe in the future. If anybody in the group is fucking with the vibe of the tribe, this isn't Ron. This is something I see from somebody else. Please, some everybody bring that to my attention. This person's already gone um, out of the tribe because they didn't fit in because nobody liked their vibe. Uh, but I also just want to say, like, it's not necessary to force your opinions on others in the tribe. And if you do that, you will be removed. So, Ron, this is an amazing question. Um, recommend as a workout and a meal plan to burn fat in the midsection. I'm going to do a shameless plug here. Like, I would, and build core strength, like, I would recommend based upon where you're training, if you're training in the gym, I would recommend the fast fat loss frequency method. And I would, and if you're training at home, I would recommend metabolic muscle madness um, to lose body fat with one of my diets. Like if I were to recommend anything, um, Ron, you can shoot me a message and we could see if like, we could see if it, if we'd be a good fit. Um, I, I know of you, Ron. So like, I think it would be, um, and it's not a shameless plug. It's just, I believe in what I do, the fast fat loss frequency method and metabolic muscle madness. Like we have over 295 client transformations and counting on team, the Tom team, Tom, the trainer fitness that I've personally transformed using my programs and my diets. So shameless plug, I would recommend shooting me a message and seeing if you're a good fit for the team. Um, Jay Reed is asking what's better calisthenics or or weight um it like really depends on the goal jay personally like if you want to build as much muscle as possible nothing beats resistance training weight training doesn't mean that you can't be fit and lean and muscular to a degree from calisthenics however depending on what your goal is what do you want to accomplish what body do you want to have? How do you want to look? Do you want to look like a bodybuilder? Or do you want to look like someone who does calisthenics, right? What's the goal? And then specificity in training towards the goal. If you want to look like a gymnast per se, then calisthenics. If you want to look more like a bodybuilder, then resistance training with weight, right? The law of specificity in training matters. What's the goal? What's the specific training modality to accomplish that goal best should always be considered, right? So it depends on the goal. Personally, I like lifting stuff. So I'm more about lifting stuff than calisthenics myself. Uh, Smitty asked, I've been on a gym hiatus for two months. Should I start by doing full body workouts three days a week? Yeah, man, 100%. Um, fast fat loss frequency methods, all about full body workouts. The reason why I start many clients on the fast fat loss frequency method is because I have room for progression for my clients when they start on full body workouts. That is endless. 
because you've got full body workouts. And then after you do a full body program, you can do upper lower. And then after you do upper lower, you can do push pull legs, right? And then you can do a hybrid model where you do upper lower push pull legs. Like, yes. And we talked about it earlier. It's like, do like give yourself room to progress. And when you start with full body workouts, you give yourself a ton of room to progress. And I'm big, big fan of full body workouts. The flagship program, the past phallus frequency method is full body workouts. So big, big fan of it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Jay is asking if we want to eat and indulge in sweets, cookies, etc. How often per week, if at all, could we do so? Um, Jay, with my nutritional approach, you can indulge in those things on a weekly basis because my nutritional approach allocates a calorie allowance for you to reward yourself weekly. So it all really depends on how you set your diet up, but the way that I set up people's diets, you get that weekly reward meal. So I give people a calorie allowance to spend on rewarding themselves. Birthdays, barbecues, holidays, social events are part of life. They should be part of the plan. You should set your diet up in a way where you can indulge on the foods that you love, especially on weekends, because that's when it's most likely that you're going to run into a situation where you like don't have the ability to be as strict as you normally would throughout the week. So you should set your diet up where you have the option to do that weekly and 295 plus client transformations and counting doing it that way. Okay. That was last week's. Couple more here. I got 10 minutes. And she's asking when we do another live. Happening right now. I believe I covered this one. Oh, I did. So. Now we're on this week's. Um, Aaron is asking, I'm significantly overweight. I do strength training five days per week. How much cardio do I need to be doing if I want to lose 100 pounds? Awesome question. Um, start out with the least amount of cardio possible to lose two to three pounds per week. So that you have the card to play of increasing your activity levels as you progress and don't hit a plateau, right? So like I will start clients out with literally as little as like 10 or 12 minutes of cardio most of the time. I personally won't even introduce cardio into my routine until I've like, I, I lost 20 pounds after a bulk and a vacation, I lost 20 pounds without doing a stitch of cardio. And then when I did introduce cardio, I introduced 20 minutes, four days per week. 
as little as possible to achieve two to three pounds of weight loss maximum per week and leave yourself room to do more, right? Um, Carlos, what's the easiest meal prep for a week that will not break the bank? Uh, awesome question. So just taking a drink here. This is a little bit of a longer Q and a in the tribe because of the fact that it's two weeks in one. Uh, hope everybody's finding this helpful. What's the easiest way to meal prep for a week that won't break the bank? I would say probably the most like the cheapest way that I've ever done meal prep was there was a period of time where I literally ate like red meat and rice six meals per day for like two years, ground beef and rice. And I put spinach and peppers in every single meal. And then I calorie cycled, like I ate handfuls of sour patch kids on weekends and stuff, but I could get ground beef very cheap. Rice is extremely cheap. Peppers and spinach and stuff are extremely cheap. And I literally like that's, that's what I ate for like two years. Now, I don't know that everybody would want to do that. Right. Um, but ground meats are very cheap. Um, I would say buying in bulk is very cheap, right? Uh, ground beef, ground Turkey, ground chicken, uh, chicken breasts, very cheap. And you're buying it in bulk. Rice is extremely cheap. Potatoes are pretty cheap as well. Uh, oatmeal is pretty cheap. Those are the kind of like things you could like really lean into. Um, I think eggs are pretty cheap as well. So if your only concern though is cost, red meat and rice was pretty cheap when I did it, right? Um, Taryn's asking, how do you prioritize what lifts you should do when you aren't able to get a full body workout in? As much as you possibly can. Pardon me, not a full body workout. What lifts should you prioritize when you aren't able to get a full workout in? As much as you possibly can that's in your program, Taryn. Okay. You will notice that the way that I structure your workouts, your biggest return movements, the movements that will yield you the best results for your time in the gym are always at the beginning of your workouts. So like, like just go in the order of which they're in your workouts um, and do as much as you possibly can. Compound movements, more of a priority when you're short on time than isolation exercises. Compound movements are multi-joint exercises. Isolation exercises are things like shoulder flies, bicep curls, tricep extensions, chest flies. Whereas compound is going to be like squats, bench, deadlift, rows, overhead press. Bobby. Mobility training, if and when I should do it and whether I should do it on the same day. Or can it be incorporated into a workout split along with strength training? So excellent question. Personally, and my clients will attest, I have a mobility routine that gets people moving well that I give to all my clients to start at the beginning of their workouts. If you are extremely educated on movements, 
like very proficient in how the body moves, you can incorporate mobility in your exercise execution and selection, which is what I do. I don't do a lot of mobility work anymore, but I move the best I've ever moved in my life. The reason is, is I choose exercises that lengthen muscles strategically. And I execute those exercises looking at the details of how the body works and getting those muscles to lengthen under load. Because if they can lengthen under load and you can make them stronger when they're lengthened, you will stay mobile. So that's how I do it. Um, but mobility training is a brilliant thing that you should be doing. And I would personally prioritize it at the beginning of your workouts so that you move well when you lift. <clears throat> you reduce your risk of injury and you get the most out of training because you're moving well. Moving along. Uh, Robert, advantages and disadvantages of using machines versus free weights. Man, awesome question. Okay. Uh, or is it just an ego thing? So it, it's not an ego thing. Every tool in the gym should be looked at as though it has uh, strengths and weaknesses or pros and cons to using it. So, for example, with free weights, you're going to use probably more stabilizers you're going to probably be able to make sure that you're correcting more left, right imbalances and those kinds of things. Um, you're probably going to use more overall muscular activation for free weights than you will on machines because you can use machines to isolate and smash a specific muscle because there's all kinds of external support from the machine. Does that make sense? When you have to support things, you're going to elicit more overall musculature in your body that's going to be under tension. Say, for example, in a dumbbell bench press versus hopping in a chest press machine where you can just isolate the living hell out of your chest. When it comes to what's your goal? Is your goal like to like be really efficient with your time, burn as much body fat as possible and activate and be really efficient with your workouts? Then I would say free weights. Is your goal to smash the living you know what out of specific muscles to get them to grow because your, tra your, your training is more for growth than machines? Also, what's your capability? Do you have the capability to move free weights well? If you do not, then you should start on machines and move to free weights later. So everything in the gym is a tool that has a purpose and should be used and when I look at a machine, I look at a machine and I nerd out and I'm like, what's the best way I can use this machine, right? A barbell bench press, awesome exercise. However, I don't want to fail on a barbell bench press, but I can grab a chest press machine and I can absolutely destroy my pecs and take them to absolute failure, which is going to be better for hypertrophy. But the barbell bench press is going to activate more muscles overall. That's how I look at things. I'm going to stop there because I was going to nerd right out. <laughs> I'm running out of time. Um, 
Nick is asking if you overtrain a specific muscle group, what's the best way to recover from it? Um, with that, Nick, I would probably say like <clears throat> often if you're covering, if you're talking about DOMS, DOMS usually happens when we come back from a period of time off um, and or we change stuff we would get DOMS. When it comes to building muscle, the muscle should be recovered before you hit it again. If your goal is building muscle, if your goal is losing body fat, I would say there's probably nothing wrong with hitting that muscle group again. Like, yeah, there's caveats to this, but like hitting that muscle group again with like lighter weights. <clears throat> the other thing that I would say is if you're extremely sore after your workouts, there probably is a good likelihood that maybe if you changed your nutrition, you would be less sore after your workouts. Sometimes like everything's gray, right? It's not all black and white, but maybe if you took your carbohydrate sources and you put them pre and post workout, you wouldn't experience the level of muscle soreness and you'd be able to train that muscle more frequently because it would recover faster. So something to consider. <clears throat> Best way to avoid and treat DOMS. I talked earlier in, uh, this is asked by Denise. Um, I talked earlier in the live about using um, carbohydrate powder, high branch chain cyclic dextrin and essential amino acids intra-workout to reduce muscle soreness. <clears throat> That's a card that you could play. I just mentioned with Nick, for example, that like where like, Where's your carbohydrates in your diet and are they in close proximity of your training as, as well as like protein, you should protein and carbohydrates in close proximity of your training can help lower DOMS. What is your carbohydrate intake like in your diet? Is your carbohydrate intake in your diet really low? You're probably going to get sore from workouts. Maybe all you need to do is have more carbs in your diet and you won't be as sore. Having said that, if you've had a long period of time off and you're just getting back into things, <clears throat> slow and steady progress. Don't go into the gym after a long period of time and think about smashing your muscles. Not to say that's what you're doing, but these are just likelihoods of causes. Think, okay, I have been off for a while. I'm going to go in and I'm not going to do a bicep tricep day or a chest day. I'm going to go in and I'm going to do a full body workout. And I'm not going to go all out on my workout because I've been off for a while. I'm going to go in and I'm going to move and I'm going to put blood into the muscle. And I'm going to see how I respond to that workout. And if I'm extremely sore, then that means I probably did a little bit too much. And I need to back off a little bit. <clears throat> and then I can man I back off the workload and then I can like manage and I feel good. Okay, great. Well, now I can increase the workload again a little bit. <clears throat> So your starting point, your workload and training can dictate and have an effect on muscle soreness. Sometimes when you take a lot of time off, like it's just going to happen. But also like, what are you doing when you walk in the gym after a long time off? Don't mm -hmm. do too much, right? Um, carbohydrates surrounding your workouts, overall carbohydrate intake 
and just like nutrition in general. Good nutrition will often overcome muscle soreness. Often. Okay. Okay. I think that is it, everybody. Yeah. That's it, everybody. So that was a lot of questions. I got them done in an hour and five minutes. Was this useful to everybody? If you found this useful, please comment useful in the chat. Can't wait to get to your questions next week. This is a lot of fun. I hope that you found this extremely useful. Everybody have the best day ever. And uh, if you found this useful, just comment useful in the chat. Take care. See you next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you found today's episode valuable, please give me a five-star review and share it on your social media so I can have an even bigger impact. And if you want more information on how I can help you lose 15 to 52 pounds of body fat in 12 weeks, send me a message that says coaching to my Instagram at TomTheTrainerFitness.